Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. What is the Bible? Who wrote the Bible? The church will continue to be even more irrelevant when it quotes letters from 2,000 years ago. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is where our trouble began. This sounds to me like the voice of someone who really has an appalling ignorance of what the Bible says about itself and what Jesus said about it. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Where are the men? I mean, except for here, of course. Exactly. This is Wretched Radio. You unfortunately recall the pastor. Did I say pastor? I meant criminal who took the platform of a church in Indiana to confess he'd committed adultery 20 years ago. Well, things were going according to plan for that criminal until his victim spoke up and said, hold on, he ain't shooting straight here. The reality, according to this young woman with her husband, was that he didn't just commit adultery with her. He took her virginity when she was 16 years old on his office floor while she was wearing a purity ring. And my question is, where were the men. I'm not talking about 20 years ago. I'm talking about that Sunday morning when this event went down. Where were the men? Shouldn't there? Now, you can you can certainly correct me. It will do no good because I'm a talk show host and I don't get corrected. It seems to me somebody should have stood up and said, sir, don't move a muscle. Men of the congregation, please get up Follow me. Let's form a circle around this pastor. Sir, sit down and wait until the police arrive. Shouldn't that have happened in some way, shape, or form? It was a criminal act. The woman was making an accusation, and he was not denying it. He wasn't happy to embrace it, but he wasn't denying it. Now, you could perhaps argue statute of limitations. It was too long. Well, okay, perhaps. But in the meantime, because this fellow wouldn't call him a man, this fellow stepped outside of the jurisdiction of the local church into the jurisdiction of the government. Where were the men to say, you're not moving, sir. Sit and wait for the police to show up and let them sort this out. Perhaps he would have skated away. I don't know or frankly care. My question is, why were there no men in the congregation who saw women being harmed and jump to their defense? Where where are the men? Second, perhaps, anecdotal illustration, but I'm not certain that it is not substantial, Consider the report that was just delivered on the SBC. You've heard about the executive committee. The allegation from the report is that they did not respond to over 700 allegations of abuse. Now, in fairness, I know they responded to at least two that I was able to Google, but the report determined they were not aggressive in putting together a plan to protect women. Now, I know you could say, but that's the way the rules were written. They were given legal advice. I get that. But my question is, where were the men? 
Where were the men on the executive committee to say, hold it? We are receiving, give or take, 50 allegations of abuse a year. We need to get on this. We need to protect our women and children. Is it possible that the report that we're seeing about the executive committee of the SBC is an illustration that men have lost their manliness and their sense of duty? Don't worry, I haven't become a Democrat. I was watching PBS. No, I don't drive a Subaru. I am not a fan of Birkenstocks at all. But I'm watching the PBS, and it was a it was a biography on Teddy Roosevelt. He was the president at the turn of the century. He called himself a Republican, became increasingly progressive, not as progressive as we know today. I'm not talking about AOC cuckoo progressive. I'm just talking about he was looking based on his Presbyterian faith. Incidentally, a little detail that they left out in the documentary, which I think also is currently airing on the History Channel. They left out the fact that his dad every day was reading the Bible, praying with the kids and encouraging the kids to put their faith in action. Teddy Roosevelt was motivated by that, and he started to introduce increasingly what this biography called progressive policies. And even you could say they were progressive because that's what they called themselves, the progressive party. They weren't as progressive as the Democrats. They were, well, they were basically rhinos is what what you could probably call them. And Teddy Roosevelt decided after he was out of office after two terms. He wasn't really thrilled with the way the Taft was handling things, not upholding the work that he had done. So he decides to re-enter the race. He lost, believing the election at the convention was stolen. He immediately formed a third party. It's the Bull Moose Party. Why? Because he said, when asked, how you doing? I'm fit as a bull moose. So they called it the Bull Moose Party or the Progressive Party. Just FYI, it's the only time a third party ever received more votes than either the Republicans or the Democrats. He he beat Taft. He just didn't beat Woodrow Wilson. While he was campaigning, he was headed to give a speech. And he put a 50-page speech <laughs> into his coat pocket. His glass case was also there, and good thing, because some fellow who believed that William Taft had appeared to him in a vision, telling him to go, to go after Teddy Roosevelt because he's the one who was responsible for my death. All righty, then. This fellow shoots Teddy Roosevelt. It hits him in the speech and the glasses. Now, did it enter his body? It absolutely did. What did Teddy Roosevelt do? Did he rush to the hospital? According to this biography, as much as you can trust things on PBS and the History Channel, he coughed while, while in the car <coughs> you know, to, to see if there was any blood. And he said, there's no blood. Take me to the speech. He went to the campaign stop and delivered an 84-minute speech with a bullet in his chest. Now, that's a man. Well, it's not what makes a man a man exclusively. No. But, but, a, but a man is a little tougher than the way we're being encouraged to act these days. And I can't help but wonder if Teddy Roosevelt, by the way, 
was was a, a fan of women suffragettes. She was he was for the women voting, which is first wave feminism, which introduced second wave feminism in the 60s, which was a separation of the procreative act with procreation itself. Now, third wave feminism, which is a separation of gender from who you are. That's third wave feminism. And throughout this march, increasingly, there has been a demand to make sure that men aren't so, you know, masculine, that they aren't all that manly because it's toxic masculinity. And I wonder if we haven't seen the effects of that in this last week. Teddy Roosevelt lost the election, decided to go to Brazil. I don't know whether it was the prime minister or the king of, of Brazil said, hey, you want to go on an expedition in the Amazon? And Teddy Roosevelt was all for that. He went. His leg got crushed, developed sepsis, told his told his son and the other Amazon crusaders, hey, just leave me here to die. Well, they took him to safety and he lived, came back pretty emaciated, regained his strength and then started a campaign that America would beef up its military, specifically the Navy, because World War II was was knocking on the door. And he began when the war began to be waged in Europe. He was the one who said, we've got to enter this war. And his reasoning was this. We need to protect our women and children. Because the Lusitania had been sunk submarines. They're shooting things up. They're dropping people and Americans are dying. We need to protect our women and children. Uh, is that all it means to be a man to protect women and children? No, certainly not. But it's not less than that. It, it, it's certainly not less than that. Where do we go to find someone who can model what Real masculinity is we need to look no further than our savior. If we want to understand what it means to be a man, we don't listen to first, second or third wave feminists. And we certainly don't listen to those who respond and go, yeah, we need to be patriarchs telling our women what to do and and disciplining our kids with a rod and sternness. OK, uh, let's let's not go into that ditch. We need to study Jesus with the children. Was he not tender? This was a radical moment. He should not have allowed little children to come near to him. Permit the children to come unto me. Put some on the, his lap. Blesses them. That's, that's kind. That's gentle. But he also tipped over tables and he got in to a war of words with the Pharisees and he showed strength. And you and I if we are going to be 21st century godly males, we need to reject what the world says is masculinity and look to Jesus who modeled it perfectly. This is Wretched Radio. 
Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby 80 percent of the time she chooses life for just 28 dollars you could provide one of those ultrasounds but i would ask you how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide the more ultrasounds the more saved babies please consider what you can do at preborn.org wretched preborn.org wretched Are we heading toward a dystopian society? Who decides what is good and evil? Who decides what truth is? Are there such things as fate or free will? Morals, are we born with those? Or does the culture we live in inform them? Those are all really good questions and topics that we tackle daily on Wretched Radio and TV. Our goal has always been to preach the gospel, equip others to preach the gospel, and strengthen the local church. And we're only able to do that with the help of our gospel partners. If you are a Wretched Gospel partner, thank you so much for your support, which has allowed us to create compelling quality productions that catch the eye of unbelievers, but aren't so cringy they make believers blush. And if you aren't currently, would you pray about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Help us continue to reach millions all over the world with the gospel. Just visit wretched.org donate, or you can also so just as easily text the word wretched to the number 44321. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Important dates in Christian history. 1793. William Carey sails as a missionary to India. In the next 40 years, he would oversee more Bible translations than had previously been produced in all of Christian history. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Just asking. This is Wretched Radio. Where are the men? Anecdote. I grant you, it's an anecdote. These are my mere musings. You can weigh how much truth is baked into them. But I think we have seen in the last week three demonstrations of the effect of modern day feminism on males not acting like men. No, we aren't supposed to be disheveled, stinky brutes. That's not what it means to be a Christian man. Hunting, 
Christian men can do that. That's not what makes you a man. What makes a man a man is a desire to be like Jesus Christ, to protect women and children, to be the one willing to sacrifice, to be the ones who said, uh, no, ladies, you stay home. We're marching off to war. We must study Jesus if we are going to have a correct understanding of masculinity, because these days, I think we're seeing the effects of the hyper-driven femininity, which encourages men basically to, at best, be neutral and, at worst, to be more like a woman. And I think that we saw that at that church in Indiana where the pastor was busted for Let's call it, I, I don't know if it was con called statutory rape. It was, it was an older man with a 16-year-old girl that he violated, tried to get away with it by saying, I committed adultery. She gets up and says, no, actually, you took my virginity on your office floor while I was wearing my purity ring. Where were the men who stood up and said, you're not moving anywhere, sir. Sit down until the police arrive to deal with you. Make a move, and you are going to struggle to get to the door. Where, where were the men? Might I suggest what we saw with the executive committee? Not everybody, but some on the executive committee at the SBC were not acting like men when they knew there were allegations of sexual abuse that were simply not being addressed by them. Shouldn't somebody have said, Hold it, fellas. I understand the laws. I understand the image. I get all of that. But women and children are being harmed. We need to step it up, fellas. Demonstration number three that I think, and we're not totally certain about this, but I think that we have seen in Texas a demonstration of Guys that you would think would be more manly in a masculine sense, a protective sense, not acting like men. I'm talking, of course, about the Uvalde shooting. It appears the details are coming out that the police were called. They arrived, but they waited over an hour. I think it was like an hour and 18 minutes before they actually went into the room to take the guy out. And they knew that kids were alive inside of the room. They heard him firing bullets. They were getting killed while they were there waiting because they were told to stand down and wait for the brigade to show up. Where were the men to say, sir, I'm sorry, um, your orders, I'm going to have to disobey. Do with me what you want. I'm going to go protect those children. Where, where, where were the men? Now, one man was actually sitting in a barber chair. Don't know if you heard this story, but... Uh, a wife, his wife and child were at the school and they were in the building terrified. She sends a text to her husband saying, uh, big trouble here. He, quote, borrows a rifle from the barber. You got to love a barber with a rifle because you never know for times such as this. He takes the rifle. He goes, he enters in. And he was willing to risk his life. He went in and he got his wife and he got his child and he brought other children out. That's what men do. And these days we are being told increasingly, no, that's not what you are. 
You are supposed to merely be gentle. You are supposed to merely be meek. Why do I add the adjective merely? Because we are supposed to be gentle. We used to be called gentle men. It's, it's a combi- combination of gentleness and more strength, more courage, more willingness to sacrifice, surrender one's own life for the good of others. Is it possible that the Evaldi police response, and I'm sure there's some good guys there, but it sure does appear that they did not act like men when it came to protecting women and children. This is a tricky thing. We see whiplashes all the time. We see one societal trend. We identify it and say, that's terrible. So let's boing, ricochet over to the other side. And then we find ourselves out of whack. And this goes on in so many different realms. Let's not turn into men who just bark. Ugh, dinner! Sit in our lazy boy. I protect her! That's not what it means to be a Christian man. But a Christian man is willing, even if he's scrawny. I'm not pointing any fingers at myself. Even if he's scrawny, should be willing to say, I'm going to take a bullet. Why? Well, my Savior died for me. And I have been given the ability to be a protector and charged as a man to protect my wife and children. I'm going to do it. And we see that's lacking today. And we're actually shamed for it. How dare you think that you're stronger, braver? Well, because we're stronger. (laughs) That's all there is to it. And we want to make sure that we find the correct balance of being gentle and meek indeed, but also strong and courageous. Have you been trying to instill that into your sons? Have you been trying to teach them correctly? This is, this is a tricky deal. I'm thinking about Teddy Roosevelt again. He grew up with asthma, and he was a pretty sickly kid. They kept him from going outside. They didn't want him to get hurt. They didn't want him to get his knees scuffed because, you know, he could have an asthma attack, and they were afraid he was going to die. An understandable concern. Dad said, son, you need to, you need to put some muscle on your bones. And you need to start having more physical activity. He bought him a big speed bag, the big punching bag. And Teddy went to town and he boxed his way through Harvard. And he, he, he worked to overcome his asthma and become stronger at the encouragement of his father that you've got to, you've got to be a man. But please note, his father also encouraged Teddy and trained him along the way. To be a man who cares about people who are poor, needy, in squalor at the turn of the century. Woo! Child labor laws. We, we need to have compassion for those people and seek to help those people. Do you feel the balance there? By the way, I'm not endorsing any Teddy Roosevelt policies. I'm just saying he's an illustration of a young man who was encouraged by his pop to be strong and gentle all at the same time. Not sure that's an easy walk for a pop these days, but I think it's the challenge of our time. How do we raise a new generation of young men who get it right, who don't acquiesce to the 
belly aches of culture. Hey, don't be so strong. Hey, don't think you're the only ones who can climb a rope ladder 30 feet in the air. We're just not going to listen to those winds, but we're not going to become brute beasts either. Speaking of Uvalde, was listening to John MacArthur. And he was addressing his congregation. He took 20 minutes to read Isaiah 59. And he decided that this was worth a lengthy reading of the Bible to help us understand how we should be responding to Evaldi. Now, the act is done. Bravery is no longer an option for those of us who watch from afar. What is our response to Evaldi? Make your way through Isaiah 59 tonight. Start reading it. Your sins have separated you from me, God said to Israel. My arms aren't too short to say, but I'm not going to because of your sins. And then he launches into a salvo of this is what you're going to try to do, and this is how you're going to fail. You're going to try to run to the courts, and you will not receive justice. You will try to run to the government, but they will fail you. You will try to find yourself some influencers to help win the day. They are going to bomb. There is no help. You are on your own. And it is lengthy. And it is a drubbing that should leave us feeling, <laughs> we're in big trouble. What do we do? We do nothing? We, we watch a country collapse. We watch women and children get hurt in the moment where we're needed. We should be brave. But what, what do we do? Well, the answer is at the end of Isaiah 59. When Isaiah announces a Messiah is coming, he's the one who's going to rescue you. That was true of the Jews in Israel centuries ago, and it's true for us today in Western civilization. If we don't like what we're seeing, we, we, can, we can plead with the courts if you'd like to, but as they go, grow con, increasingly corrupt, that will be a struggle. Government officials, that will, that will fail us. We need to be preaching the gospel that the Messiah has come, the rescuer from sin. The meek, gentle, strong, courageous Jesus. That is our response. We preach the gospel. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. A Nigerian Christian girl who was abducted in January and forced to convert to Islam has been reunited with her family. Kidnappings, forced conversions, and forced marriages of young Christian girls is one of the fastest growing forms of persecution. This case just happens to be one of the few with a fortunate outcome. As always, please continue praying for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. In a video that was posted earlier this week, British parents Matthew Stubbings and Clara Janes voiced their decision in raising their now four-year-old daughter as a boy because the daughter, when she was two, announced that she was a boy because she didn't like to wear dresses or hair bows. So these world-class parents thought maybe it's a good idea to let our little girl play pretend for the rest of her life rather than, you know, living in reality. The father, and that's a term I use loosely, had quite the quote saying, before he had kids, he would have thought this was ridiculous. Well, Matthew, it still is, and it's also dangerous for your daughter. Not to date myself here, but I can remember when I was growing up, one of the things my parents really didn't have to worry about was what I might learn watching Batman or Superman. Superheroes were once portrayed as moral. 
Not so much today. Linda Carter, the original Wonder Woman, just posted a big celebratory tweet for Pride Month and said that if you want to argue that Wonder Woman is not somehow a trans icon, you're not paying attention. I thought I was, Linda. So help me out here. What is it exactly that I'm missing? Oh, probably the woke gene, because I don't have that. And speaking of wokeness, the babies of wokeness, aka employees of Amazon, not all of them, of course, just these 30 in this particular story who showed up at a pride flag raising event that their employer hosted and staged something they dubbed a die-in, the equivalent of a grown-up temper tantrum, I guess. It consisted of actual adults lying on the ground playing dead. They pulled the stunt because Amazon happens to sell books they call transphobic. They say selling these books makes Amazon an unsafe place. What's more unsafe would be letting these people come back to work without some kind of evaluation. And speaking of Pride Month, I know that little detail was swaddled up in the last couple of stories, but yes, it is Pride Month. And the men's shampoo company, Everyman's Jack, had a pretty big slip-up. Earlier in the week, they tweeted a supportive Pride message with the image that read, quote, Groom with Pride. <laughs> that one wasn't thought out or QC'd by anyone other than the person that posted it. It really couldn't have been. I mean, how could that slip by more than one person? <laughs> the tweet was quickly deleted. I wonder when their employees are going to stage a die-in. That's an honest question. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible Paul wrote the second letter to the Thessalonians to further encourage and instruct them in the face of persecution. Some Thessalonians feared that they had missed the Lord's return. Paul reminds them that God will punish those who persecute the church, and he will be faithful to return for his people. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Freer. You'll be the judge. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Order in the court. This is Wretched Radio. Prepare to play one of America's fastest-growing game sensations. Which story is most... Um, which word should we pick today? Exasperating? Agitating? Dangerous? Jimmy, are you prepared to play your role as the federal head of tens and tens of people listening to this year wretched radio broadcast? Absolutely. This is an earnest responsibility as we play a round of which story is most detached from reality? You, It's hard to pick because these stories encompass and put on full display darkened thinking. Isaiah 5 suddenly seems to make a lot more sense than it used to as we see darkness that is now being revealed in the light as being utterly detached from what is resembling true. Story number one for your consideration, Illinois School. Specifically, Oak Park and River Forest High School, the school board members are going to require the teachers to grade based on, well, let's see what the options might be, um, performance, um, effort that went, I, I can understand effort that went into it. Um, well, let's just be kooky with some ideas here, uh, based on uh, their family's total gross income. Shoe that, size. That would be shoe size. There's another one. 
Now, this one's too crazy based on their race. (laughs) Oh, wait a second. That's exactly what they're doing. They're going to require teachers to grade based on race. The school board members approved a plan to equalize testing scores among different racial groups. I don't think this is what Martin Luther King Jr. had in mind. That we judge people based on the content of their character. We judge people based on their performance, their abilities, not their skin color. This is the exact opposite of anything that he intended in an effort to equalize test scores among racial groups. The school board will order its teachers to exclude from their grading assessments variables it says disproportionately hurt the grades of black students. Now, Are there some things that can disproportionately hurt a group of people? Yes, there are. How's about we address those issues as opposed to playing a game of charades detached from reality? You're getting all A's because of your skin color. Wow. How cruel is that? This child is going to now have to graduate and go out into the world where a semblance of reality exists in the marketplace. Not only that, but how dangerous is this? If we are picking people for employment to perform a task based on their skin color, there are some occupations that do require a certain level of understanding of the subject matter consider the airline pilot. If airlines simply start selecting pilots based on skin color, um, I suspect even this school board might go, wait a second, is the person qualified? That, that's, that's what we want. We want qualified because it's dangerous to have a pilot who perhaps received a bad grade, but was given a good mark because of their skin color. This is just, it's, 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 I think it's degrading to an entire ethnic group. I think it's dangerous for our culture. Do you want to be in an airplane where somebody was given the helm because of their skin color? I don't, I don't feel like crashing into a, cow field in minnesota because the pilot didn't have the skills necessary this isn't actually helping people it's hurting people and it's dangerous for society the details are almost too incredible but that's continuing to happen isn't it you read a headline and you go no that no wait a second i better check because (laughs) what do you know it's true it actually checked out here are some of the details Teachers can no longer be, or students rather, can no longer be docked for missing class. Is that fair to other children? Is that fair? If you're not there, you're not there. If you're not there, you're not there. And the child who showed up is going to lose the incentive to continue attending class. Why should I? Unless, of course, you're going to be docked solely on your skin color. Huh. No, I thought we weren't supposed to be doing things like that. You can't be docked for missing class or misbehaving in school. (laughs) I think this is insulting and offensive. (laughs) Nor can you be docked for failing to turn in your assignments. Nor can you receive a zero, even if you actually got 
a zero because that would make somebody feel really bad and it would hurt their overall GPA and therefore uh, they might not be able to go on to the next grade or receive any sort of ribbon at the graduation ceremony. And speaking of graduation ceremony, that brings us to story number two. Jimmy, are you prepared for story number two? I don't know how we can get much worse than the this. University of Wyoming. The commencement speech was given by the senator. I think her name was Cynthia Loomis who was booed off of the stage because she had the audacity to suggest. She didn't suggest. She just said there's two genders. Boo! Did I mention this is the University of Wyoming, a United States senator being shut down because the boos were so loud because she was in touch with reality. (laughs) And apparently, even in Wyoming, this Foolish type of thinking is being propagated onto the children. This is the graduation ceremony. The crowd estimated that half of the crowd was booing, half the crowd was cheering. And you say, well, how could that happen in Wyoming? And I would say it's because of these little enclaves called universities. It's been said before, if if you want to become really foolish, you need to go to university to learn that. That's precisely what's going on. You you send your child off to a school. You do what you need to do, mom and dad. I, I don't I'm, I don't parent your kids. You do, but I think that it's reasonable to make a rather all encompassing statement that public universities are indoctrination centers where they try to detach their kids' values, which were probably your values from them so that they can indoctrinate them with what is utter insanity. What else do you call this? You do what you got to do, mom and dad. But I think you should at least be discussing it anew. Furthermore, the Ovaldi shooting, got to be talking about how safe it is for our kids to go to school. Uh, Dad, you got a responsibility to your child. I know the odds aren't great that it could happen to your child. But I think we should all be studying. Maybe, just maybe, we're getting to the point where we can't consider it safe to send our children to a public school. Story number three, to Virginia we go. The largest school district. These are all education stories, Jimmy. Virginia's largest school district reviews rules suspending students for dead naming. Why? Because earlier this month, the Public School Board conducted its annual review of Regulation 2601, a student handbook forbidding slurs based on the actual or perceived gender identity of a person. The document allows for a five-day suspension for malicious dead naming. Here's a new term you need to learn. Put this in your contemporary dictionary, dead naming. Defined as referring to someone by their previously known name, Often their name given at birth. Can you imagine doing that to a child? Rather than their chosen name and malicious misgendering. Don't want to don't want to do that. In fact, if you want to make sure you don't misgender somebody, Jimmy, I have the quote du jour for you. It's also the quote of the day. The ELCA head, Bishop Elizabeth from the ELCA, they had appointed the first trans-identified bishop. This person, I don't know if it went from a boy to a girl, whatever. This person, 
arrived on the scene and was immediately accused of being racist. How she handled some employment issues. He, I don't know what the pronoun is because, well, I'm just not that interested in getting those details. From the ELCA presiding bishop, Elizabeth. While I'm not inaugurating formal disciplinary process at this time, there remain enough serious concerns that influence the bishop's ability to remain impactful in their role. That I have asked the bishop for their resignation. There you go. She's not going to be accused of dead naming because she's using a plural pronoun to describe a singular person. Oh, so there was only one. Which is just cuckooville. And that leads us to the conclusion of which story is most agitating. You be the judge. Jimmy, is it one that we grade based on skin color? Two. What was the second one? Do you remember? The, uh, the senator. The booed. senator getting yeah. booed off the stage. Virginia, the dead naming business. Why don't you throw the ELCA bishop in there to boot just for yucks? Who is our winner? I would say number one. Terrific. That means we're all losers. This is Wretched Radio. Thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. But what do you know about Wretched TV? Hmm? Well, let me give you some facts. Wretched TV is daily. Wretched TV is 30 minutes. And Wretched TV can be found on 135 Christian TV networks. Wretched TV is also hosted by Todd. Wretched TV is also available on Roku, Amazon Prime, and Truly. If you haven't seen Wretched TV yet, it's certainly not because you lack the opportunity, because it's everywhere. Check it out today at all of the places I just mentioned, or also wretched.org slash TV. And while you're at wretched.org, click the donate page and take a look at how you might become a monthly Wretched Gospel Partner. Neither Wretched Radio nor Wretched TV are possible without the support of our Gospel Partners. Wretched.org slash donate, or you can also text the word Wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. Amazing gospel. The situation in Ukraine appears to be a long and winding and rather scary road. Tomorrow clubs are still in Ukraine. There are still club leaders there. There are still Christians who are willing to help other Christians with the very basic necessities of life. Would you have the ability to help some of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine to simply receive the bare necessities? I know that Cindy Marty is extremely grateful for your support. There just are really no words to describe the gratitude that we have. Believe me, the children and families in Ukraine are so grateful. Thank you so much for your prayers and support. Tomorrow Club's still alive and well, but dealing with the dangers of Ukraine. If you think that you could support some believers there, please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Have you ever wanted to break bread with Todd? If so, you probably shouldn't. The guy chews with his mouth open. But let me tell you about our newest production here at Wretched. It's called Breaking Bread, and Todd sits down with a special guest each quarter to discuss pertinent issues Christians are facing. Guests like Phil Johnson, Daryl Harrison, Steve Lawson, Justin Peters, Ray Comfort, Tim Challies, and others. Those guys were selfless, and they sacrificed themselves for you. They sat down and broke bread with Todd, so you don't have to. You'll be able to view a brand new Breaking Bread each quarter 
are totally free on the Wretched YouTube channel. Hear topics like racism, aging and dying well, shepherding a child's heart, the fear of evangelism, how not to be a discernment jerk, and more were all discussed on Breaking Bread, which is another production made possible by our gospel partners. To learn more about becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner, just visit wretched.org slash donate. And to learn more about Breaking Bread, visit wretched.org slash breaking bread. Hermeneutics Hermeneutics is the art and science of interpreting scripture. When reading the Bible, begin with these three questions. What does it say? What does it mean? What difference does it make? Many common mistakes can be avoided with basic hermeneutics. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Do not blame me. This is Wretched Radio. Instead, blame Jimmy, who just sent me a text. Uh, Thank you so much for this, Jimmy. (laughs) I appreciate you funneling me news stories. Once again, you almost read it and go, nah, well, maybe. Are you sure this is real? It is. Headline, California court rules, bees, as in bzzz, qualify as fish under the State's Endangered Species Act. Why not? If I can be whatever gender I choose, why, not, why can't bees be fish too? Is, is this because some little technicality or was this yeah. because they were like, we don't see a distinction between bumblebees and northern pikes? It's something about uh, using the, the, a term of art. Um, term it, of art. Yeah, it's a, it's a loophole somehow. I don't know. but A California state applicant court, appellate court. Hold on, let me put my glasses on. <laughs> a California appellate court ruled that bees qualify as fish. <laughs> and thus, four species of bees could be listed as endangered under a provision of the act that covers fish. The court indicated that although the term fish is colloquially and commonly understood... Yeah, (laughs) to refer to aquatic species, the term of art employed by the legislature in the definition of fish in Section 45 is not so limited. I see. So the semantic range of a species can include other species. I guess that makes sense in somebody's world. The decision is not as ridiculous as it may seem at first sight. No, actually, I'm, I'm going to go with it's ridiculous. <laughs> While courts generally interpret words in statutes in accordance with their ordinary meaning, many precedents also hold that this rule can be set aside in situations where it's clear that the legislature used the word as a specialized term of art that diverges from common usage. I can't, I can't do no more. I can't, I just, really? We've come to that point. That's it. We let this is I think this might help you because we read stories like this and you just <laughs> the pinwheels go flying off the side of your head because I know you wear those, don't you? Most U.S. voters oppose body mutilating sex change surgeries for kids, but are too afraid to speak up because <laughs> they fear that they would be. Docs, somebody did a poll on this. Yeah, I don't think we should be doing that to kids, but don't tell anybody I said so. Why? Because we live in a culture that says you are cruel if you don't let children mutilate their bodies. That's just so reversed from reality. 
Isaiah chapter 5 is suddenly becoming so much more practical. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. That's those who say up is down and down is up. Maybe historically we read that and it's like, well, who would say that? Nobody would talk like that. Bees are now fish because it's merely a term of art. And somebody wrote that and said, it's maybe not as crazy as it sounds at first blush. No, you didn't, you didn't persuade me otherwise. What do we do with this? How do we respond? Let me take you to Isaiah 59 so that you can hear God's word speaking into our situation, describing what we are living in, what we should anticipate, and what the solution is. I was listening to John MacArthur do this probably a week ago. I think it was after the Evaldi shootings. By the way, just in case you weren't incensed enough that 19 children, grade school children, were shot up. There was a little, uh, the little girl, oh, I wish I could remember her name. A little girl who, uh, she did like a day or two before she was murdered, she made a 15-second TikTok video telling her friends to believe in Jesus. How do we respond? What do we do? was listening to John MacArthur trying to comfort his congregation, helping them gain some heavenly perspective on the situation. This is Isaiah 59. God is not pleased. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. God could inject himself into your tumultuous situation. He's not gonna. Why? Because your sins have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Does that not describe our culture? I'm not just talking about Uvalde. I'm talking, of course, about abortion. I'm talking about the murder rate. I think 50 people were murdered in Chicago last weekend. And your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. Now we start to get into a list of the venues that humans might pursue to to get some relief, to make this stop. No one calls for justice, nor does any plead for truth. They trust in empty words and speak lies. They conceive evil and bring forth iniquity. Okay, Um, the decision to call a bee a fish. The decision that you, you, it's okay that you don't tell parents that the school is helping their kid take puberty blockers and potentially get mutilation surgery. That's, that's coming out of the courts. In other words, don't expect to get justice there. Now, I will say this. They're, they're, not every case is going our way. But overall, for instance, you've got this case in Texas. The Supreme Court rules child gender transitions can be investigated as child abuse. There was a law that was signed by Governor Greg Abbott that directed family protective agencies to begin investigating child gender transition treatments as child abuse. The Supreme Court of Texas ruled those investigations may continue, but they're not compulsory. You don't have to. But you can if you want to. So it was sort of like a victory, sort of not. But it was more positive than negative. But don't expect that to last. 
because we do see other rulings where some of the, some of the, the the puberty blocking legislation that has been trying to be put in place has been blocked by appeals judges. Judge Blo- uh, this this is a win. Judge blocks Biden administration mandate requiring Christian employers cover trans surgeries. Okay, that's a win, but don't expect it forever. So if you think that we will get relief from immorality and utter confusion and darkened thinking, don't expect to get it from the courts. That's what God just told the Jewish people. And I think that we should hear today. They hatch vipers eggs, weave the spider's web. Their webs will not become garments, nor will they cover themselves. The way of peace they have not known, and there is no justice in their ways. They have made themselves crooked paths. Whoever takes the way shall not know peace. I think you could toss government underneath this descriptor. If you think government is going to rescue you, hey, if we just have a red wave, then things are going to get better. No, it doesn't appear that we can count on that for long. Now, it might happen, but when you have corrupt individuals in high offices Don't expect that you're going to receive protection or safety or any of this nonsense will be calmed down. Therefore, justice is far from us. We grope for the wall like the blind. We grope as if we had no eyes. We all growl like bears and moan sadly like doves. We look for justice, but there is none. In transgressing and lying against the Lord, departing from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood. Then the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him. And now Isaiah announces The Redeemer will come to Zion, and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. This is my covenant, my spirit who is upon you, and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from your mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. Then it talks about, in chapter 60, the the Gentiles bless Zion. Then in chapter 61, we hear the words that Jesus read in a synagogue when he announced, This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord, 61, chapter 61 of Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord of God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good things to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We can't look to chariots, to armies, to governments, to courts, to influencers. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And the solution for the corruption, the perversion, the, well, frankly, insanity that we see is not going to be found through human institutions. It will only be found when we point people to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah who came to rescue sinners from all of this. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.